Welcome to the podcast, Who Am I? In this episode, Steve and I discuss the topic of freedom further. We talk about how our concept of freedom is sometimes misleading. This is exemplified by the notion that more choice equals more freedom. I hope you enjoy our discussion. So we recently both watched this video uh, of a TED talk where this lady um, who is a researcher talks about the illusion of choice. Uh, but first of all, she makes the audience aware how important choice is to us. Um, and it seems to be especially this way in the Western world where we equate you know, the amount of choices with the amount of freedom we have. And she also interviewed people from other cultures like in China or Eastern Europe where um, that paradigm is a bit different. Uh, for example, um, in, in East Asia, people are more reliant on mentors and they want to honor them rather than doing everything them, themselves and learning from their mistakes. They want more guidance. Um, what else did she say? Oh, it was, again, there's so much good stuff. So like the, oh, where to even begin? Um, so she was talking about, yeah, as you, as you just said, the cultural difference between you know, very much a Western and Eastern, um, and she even did a European as well um, analysis about how was it post was post communism countries um, had a different perspective on choice because she would said she went to their like houses or had them in the lab or whatever for a study and offered them seven different brands of like drink mm -hmm. so like it's a fizzy drink. And it's all, it's all like, you know, um, Coke, Pepsi, uh, 7-Up, uh, Sprite, whatever, all these different ones. And, you know, ask them which one they would choose. And they said, well, it doesn't matter. It's all just soda. And she said that she wasn't expecting that. She said that she was like, wow, okay, hang on a minute. That's interesting data because they, the, the choice there is for us, for people that are used to this cultural aspect of everything is a choice and that's a good thing they were like well no it's just why are you give me all this soda when it's just the same i just take one and that's what i'll have and it was again fascinating when she then added in she said she added in like a water like a jug of water and a tea and these people would say they had, they had three choices they had soda mm -hmm. water or tea and it was just like, whereas we would say, you know, you have seven choice, different choices with the cola plus the two other ones. And so, yeah, there's, um, and that's because of where they come from. Again, the cultural difference where to them having too much choice, they perceived it as not necessary. It was just too much. Whereas America and maybe ourselves and other countries, we value and get I guess self um, esteem almost or well, happiness or pleasure or whatever like phrase it is from having the concept of having choice. And she goes on to discuss, yeah, like the pros and cons in a very, I mean, we can link it. Like um, when yeah. we, yeah, when you, when you do the um, description up, definitely link it in. Cause um, I think it's one that everyone should actually watch. It was brilliant. And I've always been fascinated by this, by this concept of, again, choice and what is choice and what isn't choice. Um, 
because often the concept of who I am and my desire for happiness, often not being happy for me is when I feel like I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you feel about that. Yeah, I've thought about it too. uh, let me first talk about another culture. Uh, the uh, before I get to that, so when yeah, the good. when the Berlin Wall fell, um, the the, um, the the commercialism of the West, uh, you know, West Germany was overwhelming for East Germans. So they would uh, go to shops and just not know where to begin because the the selection was just too big for them. Uh, they were used to having yeah. this one version of each product, N- no, no competition, no brands, um, no variety. And so I sometimes wonder, was their life worse for that? I mean, obviously, um, East Germany had lots of restrictions in how they could live. You know, the people were spied on, religious freedom wasn't really there. It was, religion was tolerated. Yeah. But not really allowed in uh, communism. So anyway, um, yeah. and on the other hand, is what the West has so much better. Um, yeah. People like the the uh, variety and the amount of choices because then they feel free. They have lots of let's say clothes or shoes to choose from. And I I, I went shopping with a friend once, and after he had just broken up with someone. And he felt the need to redefine himself, uh, to to not be, mm, to not have his identity linked to this girl that he no longer had in his life, and and he told me this uh, explicitly. He was he was aware of that need, and so yeah. he wanted to try out new clothes and shoes. And I thought, really? I mean, um, <laughs> that is what makes up your identity. I guess that's part of it. You know, fashion. Is important to a lot of people um, because you uh, identify with a group who has the same taste I guess sometimes you will even sacrifice your taste just to belong to a group but those things are so superficial you know the people bond over those things because they are the first thing you see I, I think um, it's much more rewarding yeah. and fulfilling when you uh, can bond over inner values but they are hidden and you need to really get to know someone you need to have uh very little prejudice before you can even get to that point and then you can yeah build friendships over that yeah i guess how how, again it's the definition of ourselves isn't it self-identity and when they were talking about when this um I don't know if she's a professor or what, what her qualifications are, but this lecturer was talking about, um, again, we try to self-identify and that's where we get our value from is having our own um, identity through whether it's through clothes or again, our personal, even just our ability to choose, not just the clothes, but the ability to choose different clothes and lots of them. That's where we get, tend to get in a, a cultural sense, not us personally, a cultural sense identity whereas again the east asia very much uh, they want to honor um, their parents or their mentors and that's where their identity comes from their identity comes from they can proudly say that they brought respect and honor and um 
uh, well, yeah, those things um, to that person and themselves. So it's a, a group identity almost mm-hmm. in a way. It's, uh, um, as you say, the, the, the core values. And the, the lecturer was talking about how we can learn from both aspects. Yeah. And toward the end, her conclusion, I think, yeah, was very much to do with that and how the translation, she called it, the trans, like the things not getting lost in translation, but actually being a benefit and evolving in translation. Yeah, you, prejudice, prejudice can lead us to just um, uh, not not value any anything that foreign cultures have, um, yeah. just just because it's different. Um, but uh, in the West, we like to sometimes define ourselves and increase our independence by going against the norm, like by by rebelling against parents, other yeah. um, social leaders. And that is just counter-dependence. It's not independence, it's just an, a different form of dependence. You know, if I do the opposite of whatever you want me to do, then what I do depends on what you want me to do. And therefore, it's not something I chose for myself or, or created. And so that's just an illusion of, of freedom again. And that's what this uh, episode is all about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that illusion can be difficult because again we put we place so much like like, uh, learning to accept that it's because in many ways um again cultural or an illusion can be difficult it 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 freaks people out because they're just like no i must have the control i must have the and i've been through that i've been through that process myself personally of you know we of course we want to have control over our lives and have control over our destinies um but often we only have we had limited control we have control over certain things and then factors come in that we can't foresee or we start to realize that a lot of what we believe because again identity is based on beliefs um a lot of what we believe is actually false or it's not right or wrong it's just different that's that's one of my key phrases that i've used throughout this whole podcast mm-hmm. um is that western people think that generally again generalization here think that having all this choice is the right thing that's what's right and then in the other cultures they'll believe their way is right and it's coming to the understanding that it's just different it's just it's actually just different way of perceiving things yeah um changes can be changes can be frightening uh the brain uh likes um routine so when you do the same thing every day like i don't know driving in your car to your office um starting the day with a coffee greeting your colleagues the same way every day then that reinforces the the neural pathways in the brain and it um it also excludes all alternatives so uh, or like those things go hand in hand you know strengthening a pathway and weakening uh, all alternative pathways is kind of the same process and um stability isn't it stability yeah yeah it it gives us well the stability feels nice in the moment uh because of i guess dependability predictability um it it gives us something to do nothing to fear isn't it there's nothing to fear either because you know exactly what's happening it's not as scary as the unknown 
but every so often our routine, our rhythm gets turned upside down by outside influences, by, by factors that we that were not uh, part of that, the pattern that we built over time. And what impact does that have on us? Does it lead to an identity crisis, uh, an insecurity that, that we suddenly don't know where to go from here and we just accept any and all advice from people who have an air of leadership and confidence? Because that is definitely not healthy and, and I don't want that. So I try to be careful to not make any one pattern or process my identity, but have constant progress be my identity. I, I want to constantly learn, not necessarily the way I did at university, but also intellectually, but also emotionally, you know, um, train my intuition, uh, re review my inner values, just constantly be open to change. And that is something that um, will keep you on your toes. It's something that, that requires constant effort. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we are inherently lazy, I think. We, we don't do, if, if we're not forced to change, then we usually won't, unless we take conscious control. It's, 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 it's pick yeah, it's picking the easy path. Again, that avoidance of fear and difficulty. So having to take conscious control is so important so that when we go through a scenario that is changed, that is scary, we can actually adapt in a healthy or respond in a healthy non-crisis way. Because yeah. when these things happen, we just go into panic mode and or our nature is tends to be to go into some sort of panic mode. Um, but if we again choose to have a conscious adaptation as these things happen they eventually become part of our nature again it's that's the process we seem to be going through you and i as the sort of again the who am i um self-discovery is that we're going through this conscious process of adapting sorry adopting many ways of adapting <laughs> to scenarios so when something happens that is different we can just already have a bunch of um, either coping mechanisms or strategies to realize that even if we don't have a strategy or a coping mechanism, we can get through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting Does it. that make any sense? No, yeah, I, I get it. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I hope our listeners do. Um, you know, we, we all know those people who, who could never consider living in another country or who don't even want to visit an entire continent. Yes. And I, I, I can't fathom that. Um, I want to live in at least one other country in my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When it's possible again. Let, uh, if, yet, yet, if, yeah, yet, if you threw them into another country and culture, for a little while they'd have like a crisis and be difficult but then they would adapt and they would thrive and it, 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 take, it might take some people years mm -hmm. it might take someone a month but that change and that stuff and would actually benefit them so again right. we have to all kind of come to it in our own right. terms and so, so how open are people to those um, adventures and challenges um, because I am open to them to a certain degree <laughs> obviously I have uh, limits too but um, I remember um, four years ago, I did a lot of traveling and I would be really afraid right before 
the time was to to catch the train to go to the airport whatever um and i would be nervously packing not really being myself and just trying to suppress the the fear so that i would just get on the plane and then that that was my only goal you know um if if the the planning if planning the trip was too much and you know and i felt that it was about to stop me from going at all i i would try to minimize the the hurdle by just booking the flight booking the accommodation and go <laughs> nothing else did not plan anything not not try to meet anyone uh not even get the currency i needed for the country just the minimum and go because um that was sometimes the only way possible to make those yeah. trips happen but then when i got home i had a huge um increase in uh, self confidence yeah and i think that's what some of what the um, i wish we had learned her name before we had the podcast for <laughs> what this um, what we were talking about is that actually because you limited the choices to the ones that you just needed to do mm. um instead of having too many because too many overloads the brain or overloads the psyche and you were able to realize that and go okay actually having so much choice actually is is a negative thing um and therefore you limited it to what you could what could be dealt dealt with and then just did it and i think that that's some of the points that she was getting across was that um western culture or just cultures that adopt the ultimate have all the freedoms and the choices in the world suffer from we suffer from this overload um where we get lost in um the fact we can choose rather than the fact that should we be choosing or what is healthy to be choosing yeah that was a huge uh, takeaway for me as well from the talk um and yes we have so many options uh, it's just like information overload there's so much information out there that is and it's difficult to to um distinguish the lies from the truth yeah. and so um with parenting as well you don't want to give your children too many freedoms because they won't learn the necessary discipline um i mean that's one reason i can imagine i'm not a parent yet yeah but but you want them you want to create challenges for them i guess um that are manageable and yes. and then when they when they are able to you know get organized get their chores organized for example or um manage their time so that they can have fun and finish their homework on time and stuff like that you know that seems like trivial to us now our major challenges and uh, it's just a progression i mean I, i'm in the same boat i i am trying to become an entrepreneur and i hate bureaucracy and mm -hmm. having to trust um what's it called the, the department of finances and stuff like that um but i get advice from people who who have been there who have been through that hurdle and are yeah. willing to help me for a price usually <laughs> but <laughs> uh set services and all that and goods and yeah it's all part of so there is a purpose to limitation we just hate it when we're in that situation <laughs> when we are being limited yeah. but but once we have um once we're in a position of leadership we, we see the need for it I once tried to organize a, a a game in a gym with let's say 30 young boys um 
and I got them. Yep. They, they were just loud and rowdy, and I, I, I couldn't get them to just agree on what to play in the first place. And so I, I just decided, uh, let, let's try to start by, by dividing into two teams. So I had them count one, two, one, two. And after a lot of back and forth and some shouting even, we managed to divide into teams. And then we still couldn't agree on what to play. So we ended up playing chair football, uh, which was the default, just the, the most popular game for them. Yes. And that would be impossible for 30 people to play it in, in one gym. But it was better than the chaos that we had before. And, and from the chaos came frustration, like, like, does it have to be this complicated? Can't we just play something? Um, and yeah. so I just let them play chair football and that was fine. I was maybe yeah. 20 at the time and it was disappointing how little we got achieved. Uh, but it was also an interesting experience. And, and I was happy that we were able to do anything. <laughs> yeah. And have fun again, in the end. Yeah. Sometimes just having, again, just doing something is better than just trying to figure out what to do. Like, um, I used to overanalyze every choice I made. Like, from the age of about 18 to like 25, it was just, it was insanity. It was just like, oh, is this the right choice? Is that the right choice? How many variables are in this choice? How can I calculate the probabilities of these choices? Why isn't there a scale for this? And it's just mm -hmm. ridiculous. Looking back, that was my identity. That's who I was. And I think a lot of people that I know suffer from overthinking. And I've gone to the other extreme as a result to see how that works, where I just don't make many choices and just go with the flow and see how that goes. And then again, depending on the specific scenario, I can apply the um, overthinking or I can apply the actually, does it really matter? Like, does it matter which game we play? Again, like your example, does it matter, um, you know, uh, trying to make an example of my own choices in the past and stuff. Uh, again, which degree I do or um, which job I go for, or um, should I go spend time with this person or that person, or am I, or should I try and date, like uh, get to know this woman more or that one more? Um, it's there's so many different things that yeah you just overprocess, and the irony is going back to the whole concept of illusion of choice, things just work out eventually anyway. They may go like really badly to start off with or something but it always seems to just link back to what maybe it was meant to meant to be or what is more healthy like it's it's hard to know the terminology to use but it just works back to a happier scenario for example um used to live in scotland as you know and that's where i wanted to be that's always where i wanted to live i didn't want to live anywhere else i was felt i was happy there i was happy there um health stuff was obviously bad but i just assumed that's where i'd always be and then things changed and ultimately i had to move down here to be with my parents and down to england be looked after and that i hated that so much that 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 lack of choice that that was taken away from me is how i felt at the time and I look back at all the positives that have come from being down here 
while still having all the positives that I had in Scotland. So I still have those relationships with those people up there. Um, I still keep in touch with them. Um, and I wouldn't, in hindsight, I wouldn't go, hey, let's go back to where I was and um, maintain having a choice, let's say, because I would still continue to choose to stay there. I wouldn't have had all the experiences that I had here. So life, sometimes the universe, God, however you want to define the overarching scenario, things just seem to lead us where we are meant or where will be most beneficial for us. Again, the problem is there's usually a lot of pain in the process. That's the hardest part is that usually there's a lot of difficulty, a lot of struggle. Um, and that can come from, again, the desire for choice, or again, it can come from physical, mental health, because um, that in itself limits our choices, doesn't it? You know, having difficulties with mental health or physical health. Yeah. Um, yeah, you triggered several thoughts there. <laughs> um, I'll start with this one. Uh, Stephen Covey uh, said that when you find yourself in a in a position of very few choices very few paths you can take then um you know just do your best to to make a choice sometimes yes. any choice is better than no choice um and with time and effort and you know discipline and, and commitment the the spectrum of choices will broaden. And so you can work yourself out of this hole by, by applying your, uh, your powers. And, and, and the powers that, that humans have is to make their own choices. Uh, you know, often we don't decide what the options are that we can choose from, but um, just how to approach the situation with the options we have and then they will automatically grow, you know. Or, and when I say power, um, I don't mean it like force um, or overpowering someone else. It's just your you will create freedom uh, because you will start to see uh, more who you are. Um, you will find more purpose in your life. I, I, I'm still in the process, so I, I can't really describe it like a like a guru could. Um, but it's important to make use of the of the little power we have, and with time and patience, that power will grow. Yeah, I think that's the key you should hit on just there is the the time and patience. Like we all have this illusion that things have to happen at a certain point. Well, not all of us, but like a lot of us have this solution that, okay, we make this goal, we make this choice, and it has to happen by this point. And like, that's unhealthy. To me, that's, I used to do it all the time, and it's very unhealthy. It just, let it happen when it happens, but just keep working towards it. A lot of the time, you can't force it. You can't, a lot of the time, you have to just wait for things or, um, yeah, take baby steps. Because if you try and take a big jump, you'll feel like you failed, then you won't actually try again. So you just try a little bit at a time and um, but do, you I think think it's do you think it's good to have a long-term goal, an ideal in the back of your mind, even if you have no idea whether you will achieve it hundred percent and when, but just a direction? Yeah. I think, yes, I think, I think like, 
I think because we're on a metaphorical, sometimes almost like a journey in just life, you know, different paths that we could take for both physical and, you know, emotional. I think that having overarching goals is probably good. Like, again, it gives that sense of purpose, gives that sense of direction. I think that's very healthy. I think that's very, I think we need, a lot of us need that. Um, or we lose our self-worth or self-esteem. Um, but that, in a, in a way, is kind of a choice. Like, that, in a way, is because you, how do you value yourself and who you are? Do you value it on the achievement of goals? Or do you value it on the fact that you're already an amazing person, who you are, and your being just now and who you are is already enough and is already good and is already wonderful and is already incredible? Do you need that? overarching goal like mm -hmm. i would say again i would say personally most people do yes but actually when you learn to let go of all those goals um just for a while maybe and realize that it's okay just to be like again who you are the value you have as a person isn't defined by anything except yourself mm. okay that makes sense too uh That was very different from, from the answer I, I would have given to that question, but that's a good insight. Um, so would you say that this journey is one of understanding what is already the case, you know, kind of finding yourself rather than trying to achieve something or, or changing yourself into something? I think so, yeah. Like I used to always want to change. I used to always want to be something better or something more. And the last few years I've just been like, I think the biggest thing that helped me realize it, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or whatever, I'm just saying it's a way that I've adopted um, that makes me happy and help feel healthier in myself is the health stuff, like being limited and not being able to help people. So my identity was very much based on helping people. Like I would, you know, that was always my goal. Like I, love, I really enjoyed um, being around people, obviously, but also helping them when they needed me. If they needed me at three o'clock in the morning, and to like go and pick them up from somewhere or they were having a crisis or whatever, I could be there. That was part of who I wanted to be. I can't do that now. There's no way in this universe that that can ever happen because I'll get really ill um, and really sick. So I, I can't do that. And so my self-worth and value just plummeted. Um, and then I moved down here and during the, health, the peak of the health stuff and realized people, even again up in Scotland and down here, still liked me and valued me as a person, even though I wasn't as reliable or as um, there for them as I had used to, as I had previously been. And it opened my eyes to realize that actually, yeah, just me as a person, who I am, is fine. It's, it's more than fine, it's amazing. And that's why I try and tell people, tell people like, that, like, That I, my friends and stuff when they talk about again progression or whatever else I'm like that's good that's healthy that's awesome but just don't forget that actually what you are now is incredible and if it wasn't then people wouldn't value you like you, you value yourself hopefully but me as a person would avoid you if you weren't actually a good person or a nice person like that's that's my nature is to not necessarily be around people that I find unhealthy for example like in terms of like for my for happiness whereas i spend time with people that bring me happiness and who are good people and who have incredible value just in and of themselves 
That, that's so, yeah. that's great. I, I think uh, pretty much everybody, the majority of people, are worried about how they are perceived, and they want to um, keep up this this charade of of being the person that they expect other people for them to be, or that they expect other people want them to be. Uh, but actually, when we stop trying to be the person, uh, to be that artificial person, um, yeah. and are honest to others about who we are, they will like us even more. Yeah. And, and, if, it's, and if they crazy. don't, they, it's, and if it's they like don't, a huge risk, but it works. Yeah. And if they don't like us, then it doesn't matter. They can go off and mm -hmm. do their own thing. There'll still be people around that will yeah. value and realize the goodness of you. We are not defined by other people's like perception of us. Like we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be defined by other people's perceptions of us. Like I was talking to my brother recently, and he was like, "Oh, I feel so, like when I chat to you, like I just feel I can be myself." Like. Mm. Like I can be dorky and I can be like silly and it's just so good and nice to be able to do that. There's no falsity there. And like you said, the honesty, to be able to be honest about who we are. And I think that's another thing that I've learned is that it's okay to just be Steve. I'm an absolute dork that's like silly and ridiculous and nonsensical most of the times. And I've hidden that at various points in my life. And those are the points where I've been unhappy or more unhappy, or like less happy, or whatever the terminology <laughs> is. Um, and so I think that's what I'm trying, I've tried to install in other people when I spend time with them, like the games group that I run, like, um, we haven't been able to do much of it because of COVID and stuff, but when there, I want it to be a place that people can just come and just be themselves. Like, because sh that should be like what life is like all the time, isn't it? You know, it should be like, it should be like that. But for some reason, there's white noise everywhere, and we get caught up in so much Ooh, stuff. Th this reminds me of a topic I, I was thinking about bringing up. Um, let's let's go there. Uh, so, go for it. So yesterday, I took a risk and opened up to someone about something that I had thought about, and, and then I just did it. I I talked to him after church, and said. Um, I noticed you sometimes have a critical opinion of uh, how people and governments are handling the pandemic. Uh, what makes you talk that way or what makes you see the situation that way? Um, you know, that, that dividing up families is, is going too far, for example. Yeah. And, and then he looked at me a bit puzzled and, and I said, I don't mean how dare you, but um, <laughs> yeah. Just what what information are you basing those things on? Like yeah. I, I wasn't even telling him my opinion. I just wanted to see, can, um, will, will he yeah. will he open up? Because he was wearing a mask at church. He he's abiding by all the rules, but yeah. wonder what is there beneath that veneer. <laughs> yeah. And so he said, I know that the COVID test is absolute meaningless. It's yeah. um, it is not valid. It does not pick up. Uh, whether you are infectious or not, and that is what every what all of these um, uh, measures are based on. That is what yes. is what is um, what we're shutting down the economy over. What is leading to suicides, uh, breaking up relationships, families destroying people's futures, um, worsening their mental health. 
Yeah. And so uh, there is no evidence that there is a dangerous virus out there and that people are just dropping like flies. All of that is yeah. wrong and, and the media are lying to us. And I just smiled and said, I'm on the exact <laughs> same, I'm on the exact same level as you. Yeah. And then I asked him, how, how, are you on the same level with your wife in this topic? And he said, yes, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> because, <laughs> I, because I often feel lonely um, thinking this way. Yes, yeah. And uh, we, but we still wore masks at church because yeah. of this, I don't know, peer pressure or, or what is it that we feel we cannot be ourselves because we'll lose the, the privileges or the, the connections we already have. We'll lose the friends we have over something silly like this. So the mask is actually an instrument to help people um, become more like, uh, like I don't know, rodents. You know, people who who are who need to be controlled <laughs> by by leaders. Um, they're like a muzzle, uh, but they also help us to show each other that we yeah. want to be rodents. I can't think of a better thing right yeah. now. Obviously, it's, it's terrible to to call people animals, but to be um, it's a metaphor. I mean, similarly, you don't, again, you don't mean that literally are rodents. Right, you just mean right. like it's it's like so. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, good. Because I was just thinking of the Nazis. So some 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 people some some people will take it as again like be like oh you can't use those terms or whatever but like again if people look beyond their own like of being offendedness and actually just look at the metaphor or simile okay. then they'll understand that you know it's just there to describe a scenario it's not there to actually call people that thing yeah let's just say uh, people want leadership rather than autonomy. And so when they wear their mask, they're showing to everyone else that that is what they want, that that is their position. And they will kind of put pressure on other people. And therefore we have this herd um, mentality phenomenon, which is destructive. It's, it's one of, it's a huge weakness in mankind. So a mask yep. is, is a symbol that where you show other people that you are buying the propaganda even if you are not convinced by it and have your doubts, uh, you know, even though your critical thinking is active and, and working, yeah, you are showing people that you are allowing them to decide over you and therefore you, you are making it normal and everyone else will, will feel this pressure to go along whether they're convinced or not. And, yeah. and that is a terrible weakness of people. Um, yeah. On the other hand, in a protest, you are showing people that you're against it. You are, that, that's why going onto the street is, is so powerful. Even though you're just sometimes taking a walk, you know, you don't have to fight the police or, or yeah. smash windows or anything like that. Just by <laughs> yeah. being outside and, and, you know, taking a risk and showing that you are um, being undermined, that you feel like, like the government has gone too far, um, yeah. that is a symbol that will yes. give others courage to do the same. And then there's a mass phenomena there as well. Uh, it's just sad that, that you need, things need to get so bad for, for people to reach a critical point where they will say enough is enough. And I guess the people who have been protesting are right and I'll join them now. But <laughs> you need certain critical people to start the movement and then others will yeah. have enough courage to follow along. Okay like we discussed last yeah like we discussed last week it's very difficult because 
I would forget again about the, the tests and the um, validity of the tests and how even before talking to you, I was like, well, we all, we all kind of know they're not as accurate or completely inaccurate, depending on what we've read or perceive um, than maybe we're being told. A lot of people already know that they're, they're pretty wishy-washy sometimes, that it has to be done right or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but again, the key factor is, is for me, is if, again, we can't know the difference. So again, let's say there is a virus because there is no, there's evidence for both sides. There's evidence, there's all these de deaths and scenarios. There is, it's happening again, it's there. And then there are evidence against where again, the, the testing and the control and the masks and everything. And it's like they're using, or the concept of using a mask stops other people from being infected. I would always rather choose that than not. And it may make me a bit of a sheep, but like, I feel very strongly that making that choice is again, for me, even though it gives up a lot of freedoms under the guise or not the guise, that's the wrong word. Um, under the perspective that it's saving lives or could save lives. Um, is important to me, but again, it's completely conflicted because what you just said there, very important about the mental health and the suicide um, and the loss of jobs and like the devastation that is being caused as a result of a lockdown, does it outweigh the lives that have been lost through COVID? And it's, it's such a moral dilemma that again, I don't think there's any right or wrong because we can't know or can't make that judgment call individually. We can't know as just an individual who isn't out there amongst it or um, has every bit of data, like every person that's gonna lose a job or every person that's going to die as a result, whether from COVID or other related things, we don't know. We can't have all that data. Therefore, whichever side you pick on or whatever fall on, you're not right or wrong. You're just a different camp mm -hmm. like that that's again this is that whole illusion of choice thing this is a, the there's a division that is created between being right and wrong is actually again my opinion false in itself mm -hmm. because we can't know we can, mm -hmm. there's no way to know which one's right or wrong um therefore we have to just do what we believe is best and not judge other people for making their choice to pick whichever side they want yeah. in terms of being because like that's one of the biggest issues is that a lot people will be like oh conspiracy theory blah 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 or oh following the crowd and it's like that's actually just creating division that in itself is probably what an overarching new world order or governments would actually rather have they'd rather have that chaos that division um at the end of the day, as well as the slavery and the following what they want us to do. Um, 
so I've, 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 I've struggled very much with this whole scenario because again, choice, which is really cool because it does relate to what we're talking about, yeah. of which way to go. And yeah, I just ultimately, I think it just comes down to personal opinion, like, and doing what we feel is best. Um, because if, if at some point it turns out that actually it was a complete hoax and it was, there's somehow it is all just fraud, I'll put my hands and go, oh crap, like, whoops. Um, and be way more skeptical, not cynical, but skeptical of stuff. But um, right now, yeah, I'm lost to what to do most of the time when it comes to this thing. So I just do what I feel is best. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for explaining that. I, I love how we're circling back to making choices. And, yeah, uh, good on topic. Um, I'm also <clears throat> comforted that you, um, I don't know how where you were, but you, you also called people animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, you, the, sheep, the, 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 the herd sheep mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's, that's a classic one. Yeah. So it is pretty normal for us to, to sometimes compare ourselves with animals. Yeah. Um, it's just some some choices might be um, less accepted than others. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We do we do like we call people like stags or lions or skunks if they like whatever we do we do we do tend to use animals a lot in. Uh... I I just didn't like me using rodents because um, I think those are those um, are sometimes used by radical groups like the Nazis. Yeah, when they got Germans to think of Jews as dirty yes. animals who are better off yeah. being killed because they're a pest. So, yes, it, it can have that um, connection as well. Even though it's not meant. Yeah, again, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's intention. People, people need to understand when we're having these conversations that if we use these, again, sim symbols, there's no malice or, or like, no malice behind it. It's just a way to describe what we view is going on. And I like how you said, um, we don't need to, or it's not healthy to, um, to put each other down if we disagree on something, you know, if we have a different, yeah. if we make a different decision, uh, yeah. because it is good to, to make a decision. Obviously you need yeah. information first before you can make any decision. And I love how you are open to listening to both sides. You know, a lot of people will, will even uh, not allow others to speak about alternative perspectives because they're afraid of the consequences um, of just becoming an outsider, I guess, of leaving the herd. Um, there is a lot of pressure to just go along and be accepted. What I um, wanted to say about, um, again, this choice and uh, the again going to the COVID scenario, why isn't there a vote? This is what I don't understand about democracy and um, modern governments. Is like we implement and vote for a government to come into play, and then that's it. That's that that's that's the that's done. Why aren't there local and um, national votes on things like this? Like, why couldn't there just be a, okay, this is the options we have. We have a herd immunity scenario and we have a um, isolation until we can find vaccine type scenario. And then maybe a few other little other ones that, you know, I have, don't, I'm not familiar with. And then put to a vote. Like, just like literally 
it, I don't understand how that's not possible with something so serious. Yeah. And that way it avoids, I mean, it doesn't avoid the um, conflict. It still, it still creates it, but it puts the power in the people's hands. And maybe that's an illusion. Again, this is going back to what we're going full circle here, but maybe that's an illusion because um, we think we're making, you know, are we? What was the, what was the study she used? She used, um, again, go, if, you know, if you're listening, go watch um, the link to the TED talk. It's amazing. The, um, the, again, it's the honoring, the difference of responsibility. That was it. It was the, um, the, it was a very uh, emotional thing to use, but it was like when parents have to choose between um, turning off a life ma uh, machine that's keeping a child alive. So that's, you've, got, you've got a newborn child is the example she uses. And the doctor comes in and says, you can either keep them on life support mm -hmm. and they're going to be in a vegetative state for the rest of their lives. And like completely vegetated, not even like conscious or anything really. Or we can just turn off the life support and see if they can pull through, but then likely pass away in a couple of days. And that's the Western way of doing things. I think it was. And then the Europe is it, was it France or something? I think it was she referenced where actually it's the doctor's choice. The doctor is the one who decides whether it's the um, whether the patient child stays on life support or gets um, mm -hmm. turned off. And she just discusses the differences in that. And I, again, I wonder we look for, or I, with what I was saying, look for a scenario where there is a broader aspect of choice. Um, but then the responsibility is then on us. We take the responsibility and we, there's emotions like, um, that are self um, attacking potentially. After that, like she was talked about how parents, when they, they made the choice, were very more like had negative responses for a lot longer like oh what if yeah. um and i feel like i've been involved in murder and that kind of stuff um those kind of thoughts and behavior like um beliefs or emotions or whatever and then the others were able to process and get through the scenario on average easier and so from a democratic point of view going back to that what i was talking about who knows like taking that responsibility on and then as a country making the wrong choice would we people be more devastated if things turned out really bad by choosing let's say choosing the herd immunity and like all of the people over like 70 just get wiped out by the the, the virus mm -hmm. again if you believe that there's a virus um if that happened, then all that guilt and responsibility is on the people. Whereas if it's the government that makes that choice, then the responsibility is more on them. Again, I'm not that I have any conclusion to this discussion at the moment, but it's just things to think about in terms of, again, where choice lies and responsibility um, when big choices like this have to be made. It's yeah. very strange to me to link back what I was saying that we don't vote on it when it's a democratic choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up this point, uh, especially the story with the life support. Um, uh, a less 
less intense example is uh, my little sister says um, for her meat comes from the supermarket and where, where it was before that she doesn't even want to think about um, so that's an example of not wanting responsibility uh, yes. for your way of life let's say um, okay. and, and a lot of people just don't want to think about difficult questions you know ethical questions and pass them on to leaders like um, yes. political leaders on the other hand, political leaders are not more qualified to make those decisions for us. And so yeah. we live with the consequences of them deciding for us. I, I believe some of them are well-intentioned, but I also don't think this is the way forward. Um, so there are some countries like Switzerland where there is a lot more voting going on, uh, I don't know, maybe twice a month even or so, on more oh, wow. local things, yeah. on, on smaller things. Um, but yeah, in, in your country, in my country, in most countries probably, the government will just take and take and take power until someone, until the people decide that's too far and we, we want more of the power back. Yeah. Um, but there's a great saying, I don't remember by who, who said, um, if, if voting made any difference, it would be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> there have been there have been great studies yep. showing that there is no correlation between what people want and what government does, but there is some correlation between what rich people want and what government does. So yeah, democracy is is a is an illusion to a certain. And yeah, in a general sense, because there are there are certain points in time when it does work. You know, when the good people do come along and actually do make a difference in various cultures and stuff. But from a generalistic point of view, it doesn't seem to. So pr protesting is, is the most democratic thing or one of the most yeah. democratic things, I think. Yeah. And yet again, often it doesn't make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. The protest has to, it usually ends up having to be violent. Like it's literally like you go, you, you do a hundred thousand people or a million people walk through the streets of London or whatever. And they do that and they show that there's uh, people that want change or there's enough people that there should be another vote on this subject or whatever. Um, but nothing else happens. It's like, it goes on the news and it's like, yay. And it's good. It's good that people are, and again, don't get me wrong. It's important that people are protesting because again, it's key to identity. If nothing else, it's important for us as individuals to have that right to protest and to protest because we're showing our identity and our beliefs like that's a, a sharing that yeah uh, but on the topic important. but on the topic of violent protest i'm not a fan of it and i don't think oh, yeah. it's, it's necessary to achieve something um so for one um it takes the le legitimacy out of the movement because yeah. um, the thing you're trying to get rid of by protesting is violence you know the Right now, yes. gov government oversteps their mandate, you could say, and is applying violence. Uh, even if it's like overdoing taxation, that's a form of violence as well. Yeah. It's, there's structural violence going on, even if it's not like direct and, and imminent yeah, or we, physical, we, right? We, yeah, like, like, well, like, um, yeah, we always think of violence as, yeah, a punch to the face or a broken leg yeah. or whatever, or smashing a window, where so again, it's so much more than that. Um, I think it was Gandhi who said poverty is a form of violence. You know, poverty is not necessary. 
uh, a lot of people have just accepted it as part of everyday life, but it's actually the, the result of either corruption or um, um, not doing enough. I, I think poverty could be um, prevented. It would just take more of a social collective movement. Um, yeah. and, and Gandhi also showed us by example that nonviolent protest can achieve something. It might hurt you more. Uh, it might take more time and effort and more people, but it's better yeah. than the alternative where a few people use violence to achieve something because if they if people like that get into power they'll be more of the same uh, and another illegitimate government so that that is not helpful in the long term bingo yeah no that's absolutely spot on the like and again from a 99 percent point of the time i believe that like definitely like again the hard way the long way of nonviolence um achieves better long-term results but obviously sometimes a revolution is needed mm -hmm. sometimes an uprising and an overthrowing as long as then the power is put back to the people and that's the problem yeah. that's the problem is that when, when that violent stuff happens the power just goes back to the violent people that um have their own agendas and their own selfishness and um, their own desire to control and take away choice um Let's um, have an episode on this topic soon, because in my opinion, blockchain uh, technology is, oh, nice. is a form of um, bringing power back to the people and making democracy yeah. more direct, uh, because it is nonviolent, as far as I can tell, and it is, it is not um, going against the current financial and political system. It is just um, creating something on the side that people... Again, it's so different. It's not right, it's not wrong. It's just, again, it's different to give choice. Right, right. We are, we're giving the people an alternative where they are in charge of their own money, uh, where uh, there are no central banks who can just create more money and therefore um, decrease the value of your savings. But uh, at least for Bitcoin and, and many other currencies, um, there is a max supply. There is a hard cap at 21 million. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into that. How how creativity rather than rebellion is better in the long term to build yeah. what you want rather than destroy what you don't want. Love it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right, let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs>